Welcome to episode 53 of Oscar Sunday, one-year anniversary. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagari. Woo! Today, we're talking about Rear Window from 1954. We've been doing this this uh, for 52 weeks straight. This is the 53rd. Um, started with Pulp Fiction with uh, Quentin Tarantino, and here we are with Hal- Alfred Hitchcock. Didn't really plan that, but uh, <laughs> it just kind of, it just kind of happened with the with these fifties movies. This this so happens to be my favorite one that we chose, right? You know, um, of course, there's movies that I haven't seen that we've been watching throughout the month uh, in the fifties, but Rear Window is just through and through masterpiece, a ten out of ten for me. Just uh, I, I'm astounded by it, and watching it, picking awards for it again. This happens every time we do this show. It makes me like the movie more or less. And in this case, way more, way, way, way more. Uh, I adore this one, man. And I, I'm really happy to be here talking about it with you uh, one year in to Oscar Sunday. That's fantastic. I, I love that. That feels like we just started the show. It really does. Like this is, this show has, has really evolved into something special for both of us. And I'm so psyched to be here talking about Rear Window when we uh, decided to do this stay in the decade for five episodes thing rear window was the first film we put into the 50s pool because we were both like well yes we need to do that and here we are i mean you know this is an oscar show finally touching hollowed ground alfred hitchcock (laughs) this is this is exciting yeah Yeah. oh we've discussed him you and i did over on filmgasm long time ago we did we did an episode on psycho uh, and of course, we brought Psycho up a bunch when we were talking about The Apartment, 1960, just a movie that we feel like should have been in that best picture category, of course. Yeah. Uh, in Rear Window, it's the same fucking thing, right? You know, it's only up for four Oscars, uh, not in the best picture category somehow. Yeah. And I remember I remember way back, uh, you and I did uh, On the Waterfront, episode 10, 1954. And that's, of course, the winner from the 27th Academy Awards. But like, I, I love that movie. Love it to death. It's awesome. But like, how can you justify, you know, when you watch these, those two movies together, Rear Window is, is either just as good or better than. And it, it's so sad to see a film like this just get shut out uh, of, that, of that category. And then, of course, Hitchcock, a guy who is arguably the most, you know, prolific and talented filmmaker of all time, doesn't ever win. <laughs> what the fuck is up with that, man? It's a travesty. I mean, I think, you know, no human being has done more to shape the genre of horror in Hollywood than Alfred Hitchcock. I mean, this guy established the rules of, you know, the slasher genre. He gave us so many unforgettable films and he got like a, you know, lifetime achievement award in the seventies, but you know, no like formal recognition as far as I'm concerned. And that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's absurd. It's uh, there's a lot of guys that kind of fall into that category, you know, who are total masterminds, and we see them now, you know, years later. And Alfred Hitchcock is the first name on that list of guys who were nominated but didn't win somehow. And I, I feel like it's right to start with him, you know. Yeah. Typically here on Oscar Sunday, we like to shout out some of the individuals within the film, uh, whether it be you know director, writer, actors. Uh, you know, crew members, we want to shout them out. And Alfred Hitchcock, of course, is, is the guy that we're most excited about to just kind of bring into this show. Uh, and I, I want to start with him. I want to look at his, you know, Oscar resume 
and talk about some of these movies because they're pretty fucking good. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, he, he was nominated 1940 for Rebecca. Absolute stunner. Uh, nominated for Best Director again, uh, 1944, Lifeboat. Uh, nominated again, 1945 for Spellbound. Nominated again, 1954, Rear Window. And then, of course, nominated for his last uh, Oscar nomination, it's uh, uh, Psycho, 1960. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, like you said, it's the late 60s when he gets his honorary award, 1968. And it's just, uh, you know, of course, there's a ton of movies missing here. <laughs> a ton like maybe 15 <laughs> but but these right here are really good do you, before we talk about some ones that are missing have you seen all these do you like these these that are here these five um i have not yet seen lifeboat or spellbound uh regrettably okay but rebecca is a fantastically crafted thriller as is rear window and then psycho is is fucking psycho um he's yeah, yeah. He, he's this guy has more masterpieces than most filmmakers. Uh, and like you said, there's a bunch missing here. Uh, one of my favorites is um, Strangers on a Train. Oh, so good. <laughs> like, just, you know, be careful who you talk to about, you know, the hypothetical murder of your wife, because somebody's going to take that seriously. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's the guy's so damn talented i mean he's dial m for murder another one yeah 1954 same year as rear window crazy <laughs> i love crazy. movies about you know the arrogance of the perfect murder and hitchcock did that better than anybody all of his characters stood out he was doing things that no other filmmaker was doing especially in the 50s i mean in this film like rear window openly talks about you know brutal murder and jimmy stewart's kind of a peeping tom He's, you know, looking yeah. in on this hot blonde across the street. Like, again, 1954. These weren't, you know, these are still pretty taboo subjects. But Hitchcock, who didn't really operate out of Hollywood, he did his own thing, kind of got away with a lot. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing. I mean, it's, I think it's a big reason of why his films still hold up after, you know, 50, 60 years. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. You you mentioned uh, some other '50s movies also that that late '50s run uh, into Psycho is this one two three you know there is no there is no way to kind of uh, compare it to anybody else yeah you know 19, 1958 Vertigo 1959 North by Northwest 1960 Psycho just and then Birds 1963 get get the fuck out of here. <laughs> It's That's really, it's, it's bonkers. You know, these are masterpieces just back to back to back to back. And now you, this just can't happen now. It's impossible for an auteur, just freak of nature to just churn one out every single year, the way the film industry is now. And just by sheer imagination and talent, it just, you can't match this guy. I love it. Just, you know, I'm going to just rewrite the book on a suspense thriller with Vertigo and North by Northwest. It's a hit, you know, they're both hits. Then he's like, I'm going to rewrite horror films, Psycho. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going <laughs> to rewrite the disaster film, The Birds. Like the dude is yeah. just like, I'm going to change the world every fucking time I stand behind a camera. It's really amazing. Yeah, truly. And, and, and we've mentioned these movies that are like kind of, you know, later in his career. Yeah. This is, this goes, this, it goes back to the 20s, you know, and I love uh, 
one of my favorite things about my initial journey with uh, the Criterion channel when I signed up for it was this 1930s Hitchcock section that they had, this collection they had. There's the man who, who, the man who knew too much, 39 steps, sabotage. Like I watched all these movies and just, I was just blown away every time. It doesn't matter what you put on. I, you're going to be entertained. He is a, he's a filmmaker for film fans, you know, people who just eat stuff up. Uh, there's, there's, you know, so many I haven't seen, but I can vouch for everyone that I have seen. One of one that I, I really want to do on this show because it was Joan Fontaine's best actress win is 1941 Suspicion. Oh, hell yeah. Is one of the most well-crafted thrillers I've ever seen. You don't know what's going on in, in ever. Like towards the end, you are kind of like pushed in the right direction, but even then you could be wrong. And it's so smart. Just is Cary Grant trying to kill his wife? I don't know. You don't know. Hitchcock doesn't know. Cary Grant didn't know. Like he didn't tell him. <laughs> like he's just so he, good. He keeps everyone in suspense. It's amazing. And that movie is so creepy and a very much a predecessor to like Vertigo. And mm-hmm. yeah. this kind of tone that Hitchcock would maintain throughout his entire career. It's yeah, nothing but respect. <laughs> yeah. The guy, the guy. The guy's an absolute legend. You know, I think we could do a whole whole fucking podcast on the guy, right? He he really does have the most insane IMDB page for a director. Yeah. You look <laughs> you're gonna be scrolling through through this guy's stuff. And guys are lucky to get to five or six films, you know. Yeah. And and he's that that's nothing. You know, that was that was one year for the guy. <laughs> well, to just like not, first off, like to have a career that survives the silent era already a big, Mm. you know, win, but then to not only excel as a director in the thirties, forties, like during the Hayes code, but to be the man who breaks the fucking Hayes code with psycho and then to keep going. Like he just never stopped the twenties to the seventies. What kind of a run for a filmmaker is that? That's insane. I mean, Charlie Chaplin, maybe the only other filmmaker who lasted that long. It's remarkable. Yeah. He's quite possibly the, the goat of, you know, move, like movies in general. I would, I would accept that. I would accept that. Anybody told me that? I'm not going to argue that shit. <laughs> that, exactly. Exactly. There's no way to argue it. Um, you know, I texted you after, after watching Rear Window. And I, I think I said is James Stewart just straight up one of the 10 best performers to ever live? Uh, he's not nominated for rear window, just an absolute fucking travesty. Uh, we talked about him at great length, uh, anatomy of a murder just a couple weeks ago, but we're going to talk about him again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. He's got, he's got a handful of stuff here. He's nominated for best actor. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. He won the Oscar for, Best Actor in Philadelphia Story. Uh, he was nominated for Best Actor in It's a Wonderful Life. He was nominated for Best Actor in Harvey. Uh, and he was nominated for Best Actor in Anatomy of a Murder. And then he got an honorary award in 1985. Woof. This guy. <laughs> uh, some of my favorite things uh, that, a, that a performer can do when they've kind of shown me a, a, all of the tricks in the bag. Yeah, and I'm I'm already convinced. You know, James Stewart is is dynamite. You know, everything I've seen him in, he he brings it. And then you watch Rear Window, and he he's just sitting. 
and you realize, oh, he can also do that. He's that good where he doesn't need to move a fucking muscle, you know, and I, I'm just kind of enthralled. I would be okay if this movie was four fucking hours because <laughs> watching, watching Jimmy Stewart is a true treat. I agree. Yeah, I'm glad, you know, we got to cover two of his greatest performances in this little 50s run we're doing here. Yeah. Um uh, Still, Harvey, the one nomin like one of his nominations I still have to watch. Harvey, I'll get to that. I should have gotten it to do it for this one. I, I regret that, but I will get to it. We we will, man. And you know, uh, I think we both we both had feelings about the Philadelphia story. And I think it'd be a really cool one to do on the show when we when we cover the 40s and kind of talk about his win, you know. Yeah. It'd be really cool. Uh any chance we can get to talk about him, he he kind of has a he has this kind of a natural, you know, easy ability. It just kind of seems like he was born with this kind of just kind of talent to be on the screen. Uh, it's it's rare. It really is rare. A lot a lot of people look like they're trying really hard, and sometimes I like watching that. I like watching people really act. James Stewart. It just seems seems like it's just another really easy day in the office for him. <laughs> yeah. And I think there was something to that. Hitchcock often called him like the most easygoing actor he ever worked with. He, mm. you know, he became a staple of his work, you know, Rear Window, Vertigo, Rope, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Like he became one of his guys uh, because he didn't, compl- he just went with it. You know, he knew exactly what Hitchcock needed and Hitchcock knew exactly what he was going to get. And that kind of, you know, director actor combo is rare even today. So yeah, what would you what would you compare that to? Do you think do you think like Tarantino and Pitt have that sort of sort of respect? That sort of kind of like we just get it. I think maybe it's gonna. I think they're getting there. Uh, maybe like uh, I'm trying to think of like maybe like Nolan and Bale. Okay, I, I like, like they, that. They know what they're doing. Like they've worked together a lot. They uh, get it. You know, of course, you know, like De Niro and Scorsese, you have a very easy, hey, we know, we're, we, yeah, <laughs> we got this. We're this ain't our first fucking rodeo sort of thing. Yeah, you know what you're going to get. Uh, PTA, yeah, and, PTA and PSH. Yeah. It's like, I can throw you into anything. <laughs> <laughs> I can make you, I can make you, you know, the, the, the 20th guy on on the cast and i can also make you the main the, the lead of the movie you know and and you you're, you're gonna understand what i'm trying to ask from you and that's really cool it is cool it's great and it you know it reflects in the work we get you know we as fans only know so much we only understand so much but what we get is the product and from there we can see you know kind of like backtrack the work that was done and that's kind of what mm. we do here really a hundred percent uh that's kind of the DNA of Oscar Sunday is always learning about the past and kind of seeing how it connects to now, how it connects to, cause, cause the, you know, art is always going to kind of overlap itself and, you know, it's not, it's not copy and paste. It's all, it's all kind of connecting to me. And I like finding, I like finding the, the dots, how, how they, how they meet each other. And that's, that's what, that's, that's really all we're doing here. Uh, and then just having fun watching movies. <laughs> cause yeah. big part of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a huge part of it. Uh, the, these next two movies we're going to talk about from Grace Kelly are—I haven't seen either of them. Uh, one of them from 1954, where she won Best Actress. Yeah, for The Country Girl. You know, of course, she's also in Rear Window. Um, that 
that's just uh that's tough to do you know i think now when someone does that like like scarjo you know when she was nominated dual at the oscars and it's like you know for these different performances i think that's seen as really rare now but back then it seemed like someone like grace kelly was like yeah yeah that's just another year you know it was just knocking out two or three solid performances in one 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 go well this was the conveyor belt era of hollywood where auteurs rare hitchcock was not you know, a you like not every, not every director worked like Hitchcock. A lot mm. of them just kind of you know made three movies on the back lot and called it a day. Hitchcock wanted every film to be a piece of his legacy, and he succeeded in that, as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, yeah, I can see, I can understand that. Yeah, and it, she was also Grace Kelly was also nominated for Best Supporting Actress in Mo Gambo. Have you seen that? I have not. Uh, that's that's Grace. just a, that's just a year before you know she was kind of a queen of this era. Yeah, Grace Kelly was one of the most famous women on earth in the fifties. Uh, she you know was known for being kind of a kind of a sex symbol. Uh, left Hollywood to become a princess, which yeah. used to be weird. <laughs> it seems yeah. to happen every day now. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I've not seen the Country Girl mostly because I'm very loyal to Judy Garland's performance in A Star Is Born. And I've, That's yet fair. To, I've yet to tackle the country girl because she defeated Judy Garland, and which is correct considered to be a mistake these days. So I, I, I do have to tackle that film to see, like, was it a mistake? Yeah. And I'm sure I'll do that at some point. Yeah. My, my, my favorite thing Grace Kelly has done is, uh, is down for murder. She's, she's wonderful in that. That's definitely the thing I think of when I'm, when I think about her, she, and she's great in rear window. Um, it, it is funny how, there are times where she's just kind of like, what are we doing here? Like I'm, I'm gorgeous and you're just kind of, you're just kind of being distracted. Uh, so <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> as much as I love her work with Hitchcock for me, my favorite role of hers is high noon. Very nice. Yeah. Of yeah. course. A, a film we did not too long ago. Yeah. I always, I kept, I forgot she was in that and she was mesmerizing. She was, you know, kind of a, not great in the beginning, but, eventually understood what was going on and I, I i like her in that i think she was a very talented actress uh it's just so odd that she just like married a prince and it just left yeah so bizarre <laughs> so strange that would be such a massive massive story if it happened like right now it did and it was <laughs> yeah 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 I, I, in 2021 yeah i remember uh there was that one actress who married prince Harry, I want to say. Yeah, but not not of Grace Kelly's. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's nowhere stature. near that. Yeah, this is who, like, who, who, yeah, that would be like uh, if Amy Adams just suddenly yeah, like married yeah. an Arabian <laughs> prince and became. Yeah, <laughs> that would be yeah. weird, and we would never stop talking about it. <laughs> no, it'd be so bizarre, and I would be like, "No, I want to see her in more movies." Uh, <laughs> oh man, um, <laughs> this next lady, Thelma uh, Ritter. Very, very nice Oscar resume. And she plays Stella in Rear Window. She Damn. She is awesome in this movie and just provides a sort of a lifeline at times for the audience where you, you get you, you're getting a little fuzzy. You're like, holy shit, is this guy kind of losing it? You know, when he start when he starts falling asleep and she just kind of pops in and gives him, you know, like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, make use of yourself. And and she's she's amazing. And, uh, you know, then I looked at Thelma Ritter and, oh, 
she has six Oscar nominations. Okay. So, you know, Best Supporting Actress for all of them. That's in All About Eve, 1950. The Mating Season, 1951. With the Song in My Heart, 1952. Pick Up on South Street, 1953. Pillow Talk, 1959. And Birdman of Alcatraz, 1962. So within 12 years, six nominations. Just uh, a lady that is very much on my radar now. Yeah, holy hell. I didn't know she was that kind of uh, – she had that kind of a resume. That's impressive. But after yeah. seeing Rear Window, I'm like, yeah, she's great. I, I love her character. Just, you know, kind of Jimmy Stewart's, like – Keep, you know, kind of keeper almost, you know, and she ends up drawn into this too. She's, she wants to know, like, did he kill her? Like, I'll help you find out. I'll dig it up. What do you want? Yeah. It's great. She slowly gets sucked in. Yeah, it's and She's suggesting like outlandish shit. Like maybe he just chopped her up and, you know, threw her in the, in the hat boxes. Like he's just, she's just suggesting the weirdest shit. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, she had to be brought up here, you know? Yeah. Those are the people that I just, I, I wouldn't have really known about, you know, other than kind of doing a little bit of research and watching some films. Uh, and and here's, here's a guy who is finally nominated for uh, Rear Window. Uh, Hitch, Hitchcock was, but, but here, here's the, scre- the screenplay, which is obviously masterful, uh, written by John Michael Hayes. <clears throat> he was nominated for 1954 Rear Window and 1957 Peyton Place. Pain Place, a movie that you and I uh, have, have like tried to find at times, <laughs> just, just kind of doing some side work trying to find find movies, and I, I remember that being one that was was difficult. I do too. What what movie was that for? I remember the. I don't know. I mean, I remember. Sayonara. Oh, Twelve Angry Men. Twelve, 12 Angry, Angry Men. Men. That's what it was. Yeah. Nineteen fifty-seven. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, that was when we had like a little bit of a like, let's 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 change this up. I remember that. Yeah, we definitely ch- kind of changed everything around around that time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we should just for like you know nostalgia nostalgia's sake, we should we should check out Peyton Place. A hundred percent, man. If I can get my hands on it, I don't care if it's a terrible movie. I I need to see it at this point. <laughs> You know, it's just in it's just in my mind. <laughs> Feel the same way about Sayonara. Oh yeah. You can say that again. That's definitely one that I have really thought about that I, I really do want to watch. Uh, Peyton Place is one of those random ones that just kind of went under the radar. Yes, indeed. And I'm looking at this guy, uh John Michael Hayes. Uh he he worked for Hitchcock quite a lot. He wrote a lot of Hitchcock. Yeah, adapted a ton of stuff and I mean when you see a guy who works with Hitchcock over and over and is obviously a contributor to a lot of these movies, he, he, he must be an important piece to kind of the, the whole Hitchcock, you know, the kind of amazement we have with his work. He's, he's a big part of it. Yeah, of course. He got a lot of, a lot of his screenplays are uncredited, which I think is odd. Yeah. I, I noticed that as well. I, I, I actually noticed that him, uh, Michael Hayes and, also, Franz Waxman, the composer. Yeah. He also worked with Hitchcock a lot, and you just kind of start making these connections of, okay, yeah, he clearly trusted some of these guys during different eras of his career. And I have you seen this guy's resume here? It's fucking loaded. <laughs> <laughs> I 
He's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten nominations. <laughs> and, and and two, yeah, two wins. So he's like, yeah, we'll start with 1938, The Young and Heart, nominated for Best Original Score. Uh, the Young and Heart also up for Best Music Scoring. What does that mean? Those are two different categories. Fucking A, man. The 30s. <laughs> uh, nominated for Best Original Score in 1940 for Rebecca. Uh, nominated for Score Again, 1941 for Suspicion, a movie you just talked about a little bit ago. Uh, also 1941, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. 1945, Objective Burma. Uh, 1946, Humoresque. 1950, Sunset Boulevard. That's mm. where he got a win. Uh, <laughs> also got a win a year later for A Place in the Sun, 1951. Uh, and then nominated three more times for The Silver Chalice, 1954, The Nun's Story, 1959. And Taras Bulba, 1962. Crazy. Best music score, substantially original. <sighs> <laughs> Why did they complicate this shit? I don't know, man. The, the <laughs> 30s and 40s, 50s, those, those categories are lost. Oh, wow. He did the music for uh, Bride of Frankenstein. <sighs> man. That's really look at cool. look at his picture, his IMDb picture, Franz Waxman. This guy is just. I mean, <laughs> I, I if you're listening, look this guy up, Franz Waxman, and he will stare into your soul, <laughs> real real quick, uh, and then you'll you'll realize how many cool films uh, he worked on. Crazy, he's born in Germany. Died in Los Angeles in 1967. I love, I'm not going to forget this name. No, I feel like I've seen this name quite a lot. Never really. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Never put it together. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Oh, man. I love doing that. Uh, this, this, the, the, the last person I want to talk about uh, kind of has that effect as well. Uh, and it's the cinematographer, Robert Burks. Robert Burks. R- Robert Burks. Uh, cinematography is uh, something we bring up a lot on this show. I feel like it's kind of a constant has become a constant where we've kind of gotten to know some of these guys and taken, taken the category just as seriously as the others, because uh, that's where you and I kind of feel like it should be. It should be like one of the top tier categories at the Oscars. Yeah. I feel, I feel like not a lot of people really know what the hell cinematography means. And uh, you know, I'd like to change that. It's yeah. The guy who's, actively holding the camera filming the movie yeah and robert burks his imdb page he's got a real cool picture of him behind a camera uh it says the favorite cinematographer of legendary director alfred hitchcock began working at warner brothers when he was 19 years old that's a nice that's a nice sentence uh to have at the beginning of your imdb page uh born in california uh died in 1968 at just 58 years old uh, and and he's got a, a really cool resume. Just his, for his his four, his front four are Vertigo, To Catch a Thief, Rear Window, Strangers on a Train. Heavens, heavens almighty. <laughs> another, another Hitchcock, uh, you know, mainstay. I find it interesting that despite being a mainstay of Hitchcock's, he didn't do Psycho. No, oh no. Like literally everyone fucking abandoned him for Psycho. And he said, I'm going to go ahead and make maybe the most popular movie of his entire career. <laughs> I wonder. And then, but he did come back for the birds. So it's not like they lost touch. Yeah. <laughs> he just said like, I'm I'm out for this one. Insane, man. 
Hey, Robert Burks, four nominations, one win. Uh, he's nominated for Strangers on a Train, 1951. Rear Window, 1954. Got the win for To Catch a Thief, 1955. And then was nominated for his last time for A Patch of Blue, 1965. Awesome stuff. And Rear Window is a clinic. It's a total, total clinic from Burks and Hitchcock. Just not a lot of people who could even fathom trying to do this movie, you know, trying to make this work. But they they knock it straight out of the park. One one of my favorite paranoia movies, one of my favorite spy movies, one of my favorite, you know, just kind of whodunit movies. When I, you know, all those all those genres, the subgenres, it's it's at the very top. Well, you know, it is essentially like a film that takes place in one room. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're just watching Jimmy Stewart watch his neighbors. And somehow, you know, through the cinematography, through the writing, this turns into one of the most suspenseful, like, creepiest movies. Like, there's moments in this yeah. movie that are downright scary. It's, it's No so, kidding. It's impressive. It's a film that has been remade in, like, in everything <laughs> but name only so many times. Yeah. Like, you know, 98's Rear Window with Christopher Reeve. Disturbia, recently The Woman in the Window, never been done right any other time. I mean, they've come close, but this is, you know, you're going to remake Rear Window, you, you better come back with something. And not, and not even, you know, there's, you just have no shot. You have no shot at doing this. And you have no shot at casting someone as ridiculously creepy as Raymond Burr <laughs> playing <laughs> Lars Thorwald. You just, you're Mason. Not, you're, <laughs> unbelievable stuff from him just the presence the sheer presence is 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 frightening as it can be you know uh i think movies that pay homage to rear window have a lot better chance at surviving than movies that copy it yes uh those films will not last you know uh you just you can't do it you can't do it it looks so good for being set almost 70 years old it looks beautiful it's a breathtaking movie and it and it delivers on all on all accounts of you know entertainment but it's but it's gorgeous for for the time it was in and really saying that means nothing it has that same kind of alien effect where it's it doesn't matter if it came out yesterday or today or 1979 or 1954 it just works all the time it's timeless it's because it along with you know pretty much every other film in hitchcock's career he cared about it like it was going to be his masterpiece. He treated every film like this is the film I'm going to be remembered for. Mm. And that's why he's remembered for literally everything he did. It's yeah, awesome. And I love that um, Hitchcock cast Raymond Burr specifically because he he looked a lot like uh, Hollywood producer David O. Selznick, who Hitchcock hated with a passion because he interfered with his past projects. So now he got to kind of, in his own cathartic way, have Selznick arrested. <laughs> it's petty, but we got Raymond Burr out of it, so I'll take it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I think it's great. I think that's an awesome little tidbit of information that add, just kind of adds to the film. <laughs> a little l- extra layer that, you know, you didn't even ask for. <laughs> I love it. So good, man. Uh I do, you know, I want to talk about the 27th Academy Awards a little bit before we do our awards. Uh, but yeah, these, these individuals, this is one of my favorite things that I do the whole week is talking about these people and hearing your thoughts about them. And 
just kind of giving them each a shout out. Uh, this is these these people that come together for this project, this hour and fifty two minute masterpiece. They that's why it is what it is, you know. And I think it's you got to shout out the team. Yeah, uh, and this yeah this this movie is kind of hitting in all cylinders. So yeah, no wonder we had a director, writer, a composer, cinematographer, and three performers we talked about. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it's a it kind of has all stars everywhere. Yeah, Hitchcock knew exactly who to work with. He built you know his kind of a team over mm-hmm. seven decade career. Yeah, it's kind of did his own thing, you know, did what he wanted. He didn't like when producers interfered because he frankly did know better. <laughs> and yeah, here we go. We got Hitchcock. We got his legacy to look back on. He's a film. I'll probably a uh, filmmaker. I'll probably never be done watching. Uh, no, a lot of his films probably are very tough to get. I know that rear window was part of a group that was, you know, vanished for 30 years in the 20th century. Yeah. What the hell, man? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You you mentioned that before uh, earlier today. You mentioned that to me. Yeah. I just I didn't know that. You know, it just kind of blew my mind. It's crazy. Just you know, Hitchcock bought the rights back to several of his films: Rear Window, Vertigo, Rope, The Man Who Knew Too Much from '56, and The Trouble with Harry, and just locked them away. Just was like, they're mine. And then when he died, his daughter released them in in the '80s, and now we can watch these movies again, but there was a good 30 years where these films just were not available to the public in any way. God, what a damn shame. I know it's insane. And now like we have, I have, you know, I've got rear window on Blu-ray. That's yeah. Knowing yeah. that and looking at my Blu-ray, I'm like, fuck, you feel grateful. <laughs> oh, extremely. Right. Yeah, th- this is definitely one of the films that I, I really believe like kind of separates the men from the boys. It's a one that, you just you got to see you got to yeah. see if you love if you love this stuff you got to see it and, and that's all a part of it that kind of history that 30 year absence and in, in you know being a part of film fans lives you know think about someone who was born in 1965 and then all of a sudden when they're 20 they're like, oh shit this movie that i heard was you know gone that people are raving about oh you know rear window now i finally get to see it that that would be such a weird strange thing to go through so yes, I feel very grateful to just be able to go buy it at fucking Target. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine you know you're like you said you're born in '65. You grow up with Hitchcock's films. Mm-hmm. You're a huge fan, and then you find out that there's five that you've never seen before. Game over. Now oh. out and available, and you know, playing at your local Cineplex. Yeah. You're gonna lose your shit. I mean, that's you know, that's Avengers Endgame for some guy in 1984 who's Hitchcock's uh-huh. biggest fan. That's beautiful. Yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so cool yeah i had to bring that that strange strange bit of information that that not a lot of movies you know have as a part of their history uh and in rear window here at the 27th academy awards it's just one of those classic oof, you missed out you missed out just four nominations but worth so much more uh on the waterfront got what 10 something crazy uh, I think it is, it's 12, 12 nominations, eight wins. A great movie. I love it. But if that gets that, then what, like, what is rear window worth? You know, <laughs> much more than four nominations and no wins. Yeah. It's, you know, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough uh, combo right there. I don't know how to, 
how do I, who am I to say which is better on the waterfront or rear window? It's, I like rear window better, but on the waterfront is amazing. You know, they're both, they're both like tens to me. They're both just kind of perfect films, but I, I prefer watching rear window on any given day. It just, it's totally, totally up my alley. Hitchcock versus Kazan, Stewart, yeah. Brando. I, <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that, but I, I'm probably in the same boat as you. I think Rear Window is just a more fun movie to watch. Yeah. Well, the Waterfront's tough. I mean, both movies are tough, but yeah, Rear Window has some really funny shit in it, you know, like really good, fun, funny banter. <laughs> There's some levity, but, you know, On the Waterfront is a film that has kind of become synonymous with like 50s film culture. And yeah, for sure. Has to a point as well. But I feel like there's this own, there's this little Hitchcock bubble that just his own films kind of exist in. And any decade you want to talk about good films, like someone just reaches in the Hitchcock pile and is like, well, what about this? (laughs) And that's just, he's got that going for him for most of the 20th century. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That is true. (laughs) That's so good. Well, uh, I think I think you and I, they're not just on the waterfront. We've seen some other movies from this year. Um, we'll start with uh, Best Sound Recording. Yeah, Best Sound yeah. Recording. Yeah, take it away, man. Would evolve into Best Sound, my favorite category, if y'all have been listening for a long time. It's been a year. Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> we've got Brigadoon, The Cane Mutiny, Rear Window, Susan Slept Here, and the winner, The Glenn Miller Story. Uh, I've actually seen the Glenn Miller story. Um, oh yeah, How I watched that in in middle school music class. And <laughs> actually, it's bad. Glenn Miller was a trombone guy. Jimmy Stewart plays him. Yeah, yeah, I knew Jim- I knew Jimmy was in it. Yeah, and uh, it's you know Glenn Miller was a trombone artist in the like forties who ended up getting uh, shot down in a plane uh, plane crash. Uh, he was visiting the troops in uh, during World War Two got shot down. His plane was never recovered. He just disappeared. But you, y'all have probably heard, you've ever heard in the mood. That's him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. And is, yeah, that I, a, hmm? is that a film you'd rewatch now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Now that nice. I know I like Glenn Miller's music, I love Jimmy Stewart. Like why the hell wouldn't I watch that again? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> all you need is Jimmy. Uh, the Kane Mutiny though. Hmm. Kane Mutiny. That's a nice one. That's definitely one that uh, uh, has stuck with me a bit. I would love to rewatch that. Yeah, absolutely. As far as sound recording, um, you know, the Glenn Miller story is about musicians. It's about Glenn Miller. I get why that one. Uh, I don't know if I'd put, you know, Rear Window. I, I don't think sound design is particularly its best quality. It's not terrible. It's just not really anything I think about with this movie. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's more unique than anything, right? It's, uh, it's kind of a, a different kind of craft within within sound but it's not yeah it's not really a, a best sound recording winner uh in my opinion either uh there's so many other categories that rear window should be in other than this i agree i agree big time uh with that let's go to best cinematography color yes we have the egyptian rear window Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, The Silver Chalice, and the winner, Three Coins in the Fountain. Uh, I've, I've seen Rear Window and Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Same. And uh, yeah, I think Rear Window should have taken this 
absolutely 100%. Yeah, from from what I know, uh three coins in the film, Milton Krasner don't don't know much about the movie, but I would love to see the film that beat Rear Window because it's a, it's a, three coins of the fountain is a rom com essentially. So it's like, what, what did they do that was so much better than Rear Window? You know? Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's the the way this movie moves is probably what it has going for it the most. As again, nearly seventy years has gone on. It's it's stood the test of time because of just how well it's just structured, yeah. And, and that you know from the some of the swooping shots in his in Jimmy Stewart's apartment to just how the patience the patience of going through each flat and just kind of scoping through that that shit's not a yeah you can't teach that stuff you know and <laughs> and I I, I would, yeah, I'm very curious to see these other movies the Egyptian you know. Silver Chalice. Yeah, Seven Brothers for Seven Brothers is not a movie I've really thought about since since watching it. Uh, not really for me, but that but movie, yeah, I, I, w- I always want to see movies that can compete against Rear Window because I just don't see it. I agree. Seven Brides, I've thought about that often mostly because I just can't believe that that was an acceptable turn of events <laughs> for a film in 1954. For a guy to just stroll into town and be like, I want a wife. You'll do. How about it? And then she's just like, well, I'm lonely, so sure. And like, are you kidding me? And like his brothers are going to just kidnap a bunch of women and then hold them at their like homestead until they fall in love. With them. That's an incredibly <laughs> fucked up situation. No kidding. <laughs> oh my that, God. That movie was so unintentionally disturbing to me. And I just, I, I do not like it and I don't want it to be here. It, uh, to me, that was not deserving of pretty much any Oscar. It was nominated and it was a best picture nominee. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That movie that, yeah, that, that's bad. <clears throat> you know, that could be the poster for just Oscar straight Oscar snubs is seven brides over rear window. Yeah. What, what, where the fuck were you guys? You know, what, <laughs> what was going on? Put a little money in her pocket or what? You know, <laughs> it's frust- frustrating. I'll always be grateful to hello Dolly for ending the reign of the mm. budget 20th century musical number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm not. That's just not my genre. Uh, I I'll I will always try. I will always give it give it a chance. And there are some that I like, but m- mostly I just get really frustrated with those films. You know, I just get mm, it, it it irks me. And and you know, this is coming from a guy who likes you know Itchy the Killer. So it's not. A, it's like a, it's a it's preference, right? It's like I I don't want to watch people in unison just out of nowhere start singing and dancing you know here here on oscar sunday it's 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 a to some people a silly opinion but i don't give a shit like west side story sucks you know that shit sucks i i don't i don't like that that kind of filmmaking i think we have just created the first ever podcast in history that mentioned itchy the killer Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and shit on West Side Story all at the same time. <laughs> good, good, you know? Damn, that's good. I'm happy with that, you know? <laughs> to- totally fine with that. Yeah, it's, it's Seven Brides, yeah, a total, you know, yeah. total misfire to, to put that in Best Picture and not Rear Window. Just, just kind of silly. 
Uh, best screenplay, which would evolve into best adapted screenplay. Best story and screenplay would be best original screenplay. It feels like they could have made that a little clearer in the early days of the Oscars. That makes sense to me. <laughs> that took a so while. So stupid. Uh, best screenplay. We have The Kane Mutiny, Queer Window, Sabrina, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and the winner, The Country Girl. I've got to see this movie. To, to beat out Rear Window and the Kane Mutiny, and I've heard Sabrina is really good for screenplay. Uh, this has got to be some movie. Yeah, I, yeah, Bean Crosby, Grace Kelly, William Holden. Mm. I, we, we need to see this movie. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I think it is another one that has, has kind of, amongst film culture, kind of stood the test of time. Still a decent movie, you know? So I think, I think that's one we both uh, have, have our eyes on. Uh, that's one of the best parts of this show, is finding new movies to watch damn straight uh i think rear window's screenplay is pretty damn perfect yeah yeah it's a diamond yeah hard to argue with that i like to read the story it had to be murder by cornell woolrich the story this film's based on i like to read that yeah that's uh it it seems to be a a proper short story but hitchcock is 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 a guy who likes to you know stretch stretch things and, and do what he has to do creatively to kind of kind of give it an extra juice. And usually those decisions are right. Uh, that's, that's so tough to do when you're constantly adapting stuff over and over. Ask Stephen King. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Hitchcock loved to take short stories, turn them into masterpieces. He did the same thing with the birds. Yeah. Uh, Psycho was a novel. I love that he would go yeah. out and buy all the copies of Psycho he could get a hold of. So the audience would be surprised. <laughs> it's like, I don't want anyone so knowing the cool. end of that movie. <laughs> Dedication. Hell yeah. Um, best director. Let's do it. George Seaton for The Country Girl. William A. Wellman for The High and the Mighty. Alfred Hitchcock for Rear Window. Billy Wilder for Sabrina. And the winner, <sighs> Elliot Kazan for On the Waterfront. <laughs> There's Billy Wilder again. Uh, <laughs> Every goddamn week, if we're in the 50s or the 40s, or you know, he's gonna be here. Uh, yeah, and, and Elliot Kazan's a guy that that's obviously popped up before, and of course, we did on the waterfront. Yeah. Okay, so so you and I have you and I have seen Rear Window and on the on the waterfront. Yeah. Correct. So take out the other three; they probably don't have a shot anyway. Uh, <laughs> who, who who wins that for you between those two? Oh, oh fuck! Putting me in the hot seat. Oh, Kazan versus Hitchcock. Mm. Yeah, straight. But you know, it's it's on the waterfront versus rear window. Yeah, not it's not it's not careers because obviously Hitchcock, no doubt. <laughs> just just because of the way it it shaped Brando's career and really was something that stood out. I got to give it to Kazan. That's fair. Yeah, that That's on fair. the waterfront is unlike anything that came out in the fifties. It really changed the game, and I you know how much I love game changers. And uh, yeah, yeah. Hard to argue with that win. I, I like that win. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm cool with the win. If I had to vote, I would give it to Hitchcock, I think. I, I, yeah, I, th- I think this is just not, not many people could be in the chair and do rear window properly. I think a lot of other guys, this movie, just nobody would know what it is. I feel like, and I might be wrong about this, but I feel like back when we did On the Waterfront, I think we were flipped. I think I was... Hitchcock winning it and you were Kazan winning it. I think that's an awesome. evolution going on there. 
<laughs> I love that. It, it, it is a toss up. Yeah. Either way is, is, is okay. Is, you know, I'll be able to sleep at night. <laughs> uh, Kazan on the, on the waterfront has a few, a few sort of, sort of set pieces that, that are, that are, purely iconic and and i understand for that reason you you kind of like it being a game changer being kind of this oh okay that's the standard now okay uh 12 nominations eight wins it is a it is a cool ass movie i I really do love it i think i do have it at five stars on letterbox just like rear window i i really do uh there it's it's awesome to have two movies that good in one year i'll say that it is nice especially stars born Star is Born. That should be here. A Star is Born and Rear Window should have two of those best picture slots. It really should. Uh, what a shame. Yeah, truly, truly a shame. The, the best picture is on the waterfront, of course, winning Kane Mutiny, Country Girl, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and Three Coins in the Fountain. So, yeah, just, just crazy that Rear Window's not there. And A Star is Born, for sure, I would swap Seven Brides out for A Star is Born. Uh, there's also a movie, uh, for, foreign film that won an Oscar here at this show. It's a uh, Gate of Hell, won Best Costume Design. Gate of Hell is it's from 1953, but of course it's foreign, so it didn't compete till later. Gate of Hell is way better than Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, you know, <laughs> way better. So I'm sure uh, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. I'm sure there's a bunch of movies that are deserving of those spots over, but Rear Window is one that should have one and should be kind of cemented. You couldn't, yeah. you can't take it away from being a top five film from that year. You can't. It's, you know, <clears throat> when it's kind of listed among Hitchcock's greats, if you can even do that, Rear Window is always in that top five, if not uh, the for top sure. 10, if not the top three, it's, it's a masterpiece. You know, Jimmy Stewart, another guy, you know, it's ranked among his best as well. Uh, another guy who I, I told you was always seemed like he was on the right side of history and really knew how to pick his scripts. All of his films have something to say. He always did stuff that looked, you know, felt progressive, felt like something that was going to piss off the Hays Code. Yeah. And yeah. I, I fucking love that. Jimmy Stewart was a goddamn pioneer when it came to just, you know, character acting. Yeah, so cool. I'm, I'm looking now. I didn't know Rear Window is literally number 50 in the top rated uh, IMDb movies. 50. There you go. <laughs> right, right next to it is Casablanca at 48 and Once Upon a Time in the West at 49. That's, that seems right, doesn't it? Doesn't that seem appropriate? That's, that's perfect. <laughs> this is a fun game. 47 is The Prestige, 2006. Really? Yeah. Nice. How about that? How about that? It, edging out Casablanca, Once Upon a Time in the West, Rear Window, Alien, Apocalypse Now. That's just amazing. I love that. I love the prestige, but I don't, I don't know if that, that's all right. <laughs> no, not, not for me personally, no, but that's cool to see that because the prestige is really cool. Uh, I mean, this list, it's not great for reference. Uh, for example, uh, Inception's 13, uh, you know, Yikes. I like Inception now after finally watching it again, but it's 13 is way too high. Way yeah. too high. Yeah. 13 all time. Number number one, Strawshank. Yeah. Okay. And then you have then you have Godfather, Godfather Part Two. Dark Knight Rises, number four. 
Dark Knight Rises is number four. Yeah, ahead Damn. of Twelve Angry Men at number five. <laughs> yes, yeah, this is, I could look. I could look at this forever. This is very subjective. I don't, I don't know what to say ex- about that. Extremely, I've never seen a list this ballsy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like where's the Dark Knight land on this list? I'm sorry. Dark Knight is number four. Did I say Dark Knight oh, Rises? I'm yeah. really sorry. Okay, yeah. that makes way more oh, sense. I don't think Dark Knight Rises is on here. I don't see it. Okay. I, I believe it's the top one. Oh, no, it keeps going into... Oh, my God. Top 250. It's an odd number to pick for a top. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, lists are so much fun, especially when they're like that. They're wild like that. Uh, but it's, yeah, based on their rating. According and to... Do- IMDb Dark Knight Rises is number 73. Okay, I just missed it. It is in there. Yeah. Oh, I see it. There it is. Yeah. Right ahead of Aliens? Get the fuck out of here. No way. <laughs> no way. Aliens is just pure, pure genius. Uh, I just can't. I can't say that Dark Knight Rises touches it. <laughs> this is great. This list is crazy. Who the hell put this together? I, I want to do an episode just to look at this list <laughs> and just go through it and react because we got our own awards to get to. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I love doing this kind of shit. It's, it's so much fun. Yeah, again, the the subjective, subjectiveness of it is fascinating when you when you get that ballsy. Uh, yeah. Did you uh, did you have a hard time here these awards? Because this is this is kind of a a seamless project that just kind of just goes. Just goes in one year out the other, bang, beautiful movie, and it just kind of happens. Uh, I, I, I had a I had a real difficult time myself. Yeah, this took this took quite some doing. Uh, I like, but I like when we get a film that is difficult to put together here with mm-hmm. the awards, because it always feels more rewarding. Always feels like we both have something to actually say, and we're not just kind of giving out participation trophies, which does happen. It can, it can happen. Thankfully, not this time. No, not at all. We got the Tarantino for best line or best quote. We got the Ennio Morricone for best music moment. We got the Philip Seymour Hoffman for best performance of the movie. And we got the Roger Deakins for best scene or best moment, however you see it, of the film. So I'll let you take it away with your Quentin Tarantino award. This was tough. There's a lot of quips, a lot of fast, you know, Mm -hmm. witty dialogue between Stuart and Kelly. But there was one line... That was just like, how the hell did that get cleared in a Hollywood picture in 1954? Because I was just like, this is something you'd expect in, you know, like a 1970 slasher film. And it was Jimmy Stewart's kind of contemplating about the case. And he goes, that'd be a terrible job. Just how would you start to cut up a human body? Like, fuck, (laughs) Jeff. Jeff, Jeffy, Jeffy, yo. And they're all just like, Jesus, why are you? thinking like that and he's like I, well just think about it <laughs> it's, it's so grisly <laughs> and starts this conversation of like well i put it in pieces like they just yeah, start talking yeah. About like how would i do it and that's not something you saw in the 50s no and and that's something clearly you and i uh have a have a fascination with you know kind of the the, the more modern guys you know kind of like the coens and tarantinos the guys who mix that humor with just uber dark stuff yeah, where where it's just a guy just kind of, huh? Well, how would I do it if I had to murder? <laughs> and and that, that's 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 really funny on the big screen, especially when you have a, a superstar like Stewart. That's a great pick. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Love it. Love it. I, I, I picked a bit. Usually I pick one kind of like one line from one character, yeah. but there was just kind of an, an exchange between Jeff and Stella that just blew me away and is one of my favorite things in movies. Uh, and I'll explain after, but they're just talking, you know, Stella, that's Thelma Ritter's character. She's just going there and taking care of him and whatnot, you know, helping him out, try, trying to anyway. <laughs> uh, and there, there's a bit where uh, she says, Stella says, we've become a race of peeping Toms. What people ought to do is get outside their own house and look in for a change. Yes, sir. How's that for a bit of homespun philosophy? Jeff says, Reader's Digest, April 1939. Stella says, well, I only quote from the best. <laughs> Man, that is the best. I, I, I love when someone calls someone out on, on a reference in a movie because well, obviously I love referencing movies. And so when there's a kind of a double, <laughs> a double reference within, it's really entertaining for me. And it's something that I wonder, oh, what if I looked up Reader's Digest? You know, could I find, I love, I love shit like that. It just makes my, my mind start spiraling uh, out of control while at the same time being blown away by the movie. And that's something Hitchcock does over and over for me is he sets my mind, he takes me away, you know? And then this, this screenplay by John, John, sorry, John Michael Hayes is a, a brilliant pairing. Some the, the, the kind of, like you said, it's, it's really quick and moves with kind of like a striking force, but it's, but it's funny. And that, that combination with the tone that we're given already is, is something, something to behold. And again, a pillar of why this movie has stood the test of time. Straight up. Yeah, there's a number of great, like, back and forths you could do for this yeah. award. One of my favorites I almost wrote down was when Stella says, nothing has caused the human race so much trouble as intelligence. Yes, I love that line. Gosh, uh, so good. <laughs> or when Lisa says, I wish I were creative, and Jeff goes, you are. You're great at yeah. creating difficult situations. <laughs> just, I, the balls. To, to, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know if I'd be able to talk back to Grace Kelly. <laughs> No, God, no. And uh, I also love a uh, uh, performer who doesn't have any, like, a word recognition, but Wendell Corey, he plays uh, Thomas Doyle, the detective. And yeah. there's some stuff when he comes in and he's just kind of fucking disrespectful. But it's, but it's, but it's uh, underlying, you know, all of it's just these kind of, like, little jabs. It's fucking brilliant stuff. Really funny and, and dark and just kind of, like, kind of cynical. Anything else I can do for you? Well, you could get me a good detective. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> do you feel like they've had that exchange 50 times? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if my best buddy was a cop, I'd break his balls all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just what you do. <laughs> so good. Oh, man. I love it. Love it. There's, yeah, there's pl plenty to choose from for Tarantino. But the, uh, the other awards are the same way. Uh, the Ennio Morcone. What do you got? I just had to go with my gut. There's not a lot of musical moments in this film. So cook pickings were slim, but what we do get is good. And I went with the opening credits just because it's like Waxman had this, like this jazzy kind of bubbly, unpredictable score that really Beautiful. set you up for a whodunit. That's really going to keep you in suspense the entire time. The first time you watch this film, you're fucking glued to everything. You're like trying to figure out like, did he really kill his wife? Or is Jeff just losing it from being stuck in the chair for too long? 
And then the second time, you know, he did kill his wife. So you're like looking for the little clues. You're trying to piece it together yourself. It's a great film that always keeps you invested and the music is, you know, where you start with that. Yeah, always. Yeah, a lot of these great movies that we do, a huge part of their, the, the, the icon part of it is the theme, is the theme of it. The, what you think of when you think of Rear Window is that in, that initial music and that the binoculars, you know, you just, they're, they're little things that you notice about it. It's, that's perfect. You can't go wrong there. Uh, yeah. God, Franz Waxman just <laughs> absolutely lights out at times uh, l- working with a little, but doing, doing big things with it. <clears throat> uh, I, I chose something a little different than, than his work than Waxman's work in the, in the film. I chose the song Mona Lisa which is a, a song written by Ray Evans and Jay Livingston, but made famous by Nat King Cole, 1950. And uh, this is when the neighbors across the way, the pianist guy is having that big party and all the people are singing. And it, I, honestly, I felt like it was necessary for the movie this time around. I think it's a necessary part. I think everything is intentional. And I think seeing this group of people, because we we're constantly isolated with individual, 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 and kind of watching one. When we finally see a group of people, there's a bit of an outlet, a bit of a lifeline of, hey, you know, this movie's going to end at some point and life will get back to normal. Because it really does that to you. Really, like you said, especially that first time when you don't know. And that second time when you do know, you're like, ah, I need help. I'm fucking drowning, you know? And I, I feel like directors know that. I feel like obviously Hitchcock knows that. I think this scene being put in this in this movie of this big group of people singing, yeah, I, I, I felt like it was really necessary. I agree. Kind of grounds you for a moment and reminds you that yeah. these are human beings. He's there's a you know, there's a world going on here outside mm-hmm. Jeff and his binoculars. That he's, you know, this isn't a, mur- a murder mystery designed for him. These are people's lives, and you need to remember that. And that music does a great job reminding you of that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and now, and now uh, it's always good to go on kind of like a Nat King Cole phase. So that's what I'm going to be doing <laughs> next couple of weeks, <laughs> which, which I'm, yeah, always okay with. Uh, PSH. This, this was easy. Come on. I mean, come on. It's, it's Jimmy. Of course it's Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy again. Jimmy again. His second time. The first guy to win unanimously twice. Here at here on Oscar Sunday, he's got two PSHs. Of course, uh, he he won easy hands down on Anatomy of a Murder. Yeah, uh, we both love George C. Scott, but Stewart is just crushing every single bit in Anatomy of Murder, and he does the same goddamn thing in Rear Window with a broken leg. At one point, two broken legs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, man, oh man, oh man. What more can we say about the guy? I don't know, but I guarantee you we are going to talk about him again at some point. <laughs> like, Jimmy's never uh, leaving. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. He's he's in a, a class of his own for performing and kind of in our minds uh, as we, we're huge fans of his now. We already were, but this show has heightened it to a totally different place. He he carries this movie unlike unlike anyone I can imagine, you know, there's a lot of times with uh, different actors, oh, maybe you could replace them. You know, maybe you could put this guy here in place of this guy and it would be fine. It'd be different, obviously, but the movie would work. There's just not really anyone but Jimmy Stewart 
at this point in time in his career that could pull this performance off. He's got this endearing quality about him, and it just makes him the every man you want to see succeed. Every performance he's ever done has been, you know, this kind of charming guy with this very unique accent who you just want to see, you know, you want to see it work out for him. <laughs> it's just, it's great. Uh, Rear Window, he brings that charm to the character, and you need to like Jeff. He's your lifeline in this movie. He's the guy you're seeing everything through his mm-hmm. eyes. So if you don't like Jeff, you're already out. Yeah. And who doesn't like Jimmy Stewart? How can anybody not enjoy this guy's career? He's just, every one of his films is enjoyable because of him. Yeah, truly. Truly. He's, he brings it every time. And, I yeah, again, like you said, he's going to come up again, and I wouldn't be surprised to be one more PSHs. <laughs> yep, he's going to have one of those, like, Boy Scout fucking merit badges of just our awards. <laughs> the little the sash. <laughs> I, I love it. He'll have more uh, PSHs than Oscars. Aw. <laughs> I know, that sucks, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll never we'll never stop talking about him. Uh, mm. I imagine he's a part of your Deacons, is he? Uh, no. No? Let me hear it. Let me hear it. Well, kind You're of. Roger it's, Deacons. It's, it's a little bit of him. It's, it's entirely Raymond Burr who, gives, who gets my Deacons. And it's one moment because you know it's coming – but the reveal is so creepy. It's when Lisa goes over to the, to the, to the other house to find some dirt. Uh, Thorwald comes home early, catches her, tries to you know strangle her or whatever. The cops show up. And as the cops are interrogating Lisa, you just see Thorwald look slightly up and finally notice Jeff. And it is so creepy because now you're mm. like, oh, shit, he knows he's coming the, the clock is ticking now it turns into a horror movie for the last act it's it's so good and just that the little head turn thorwald did it was so it was like a fucking raptor in jurassic park it was so yes. subtle but quick it was creepy and like i openly went oh shit and i've seen this before right yeah same same so fucking i man. knew right there like yeah i that's the best that it, yeah what a touch right what a and and throughout the film before that, you have ma- many times where where Jimmy will do the he'll back backpedal with his his wheelchair and go to where their shade is so that no one can see him, <laughs> and he gets away with it. He barely gets away with it over and over. Then finally, gotcha, fucker, you're mine. And it, yeah, like you said, it, it gives me chills thinking about now. And it's it's Raymond Burr's hair, just boom, and then his eyes, the glasses, he just locks in. Oh. What a touch. And the and Hitchcock knowing exactly where to where to put everything on the windowsill. Ugh. <laughs> that's that's the stuff. That's that's the juice like of movie making. That's ah, I I I wrote that down as well. That that moment, kind of that that culminating moment. Mm-hmm. And then I and then I thought about it more. And I, I was like, I wonder if Connor has that. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I, I wrote it down, but I also wrote something else down. For, for sort of a backup, because uh, I like to shout out as many scenes as possible. So that, that, that's, that's also my favorite touch of the movie, is that the look up. Yeah. I don't know what you call that. It's just, it's just perfect. Probably the best I've ever seen it done. <laughs> but when the dog dies, oh. and all the neighbors are involved, and they, the owners of the dog put that little basket down and fucking weep, 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 weep. 
get it get it up to them they see it's it's dead which one of you killed my dog you know right away jeff is looking around you know and noticing noticing different things and he he sees that fucking thorwald's flat is completely pitch black and all you can see is a fucking cigar (laughs) oh what a (laughs) what a frightening frightening image you know this dog dies the entire community is is trying to figure out what's going on everyone except for him and jeff's like "Mm -mm -mm." no he would have reacted if he was a normal fucking person but he's a murderer so so he's not he's not and then they you know of course find out that didn't want the dog digging up stuff in the flower bed and leads to that whole other bit. But that, that shot of the flat of Thorwald's flat pitch black with the orange, with the fucking, the cigar is so cool. So goddamn cool. The ability to make Thorwald as wildly frightening as he is without saying anything until the very end is a, is a true feat. Yeah. That's I think owed entirely to Raymond Burr's performance. It's, Mm. It's very minimal, but he does, you know, you don't forget him. He's, he's fantastic. No. Another thing, uh, if you have an apartment, you probably shouldn't kill your spouse. There's very few places to hide the body. You should always make sure you are a homeowner with a yard. Otherwise, the dog's going to dig up your flower bed. And Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, good advice. If, if nothing else, you know, take that away from this. From rear window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And another thing, I love that that scene happens right as it looks like Jeff's going to throw in the towel. Or he's mm. thinking, like, maybe I did make it all up. Maybe there is nothing going on here. And then the dog dies, and, they're, and even Grace Kelly's like, oh, that motherfucker did it. <laughs> like, it turns into he did it, and now we're the only ones who can get justice. It's, yeah, great. Great pick. Yeah, and you could also go with the that initial night when Jeff is kind of kind of starting to get it and you see it's the night when it's raining and he uh, Thorwald leaves with that creepy ass briefcase three times and comes back all three times you know that and then he's kind of drinking and falling asleep and you're like oh my god I've seen this before in so many movies where like the detective is is starting to go loopy and lose his mind and and now it's coming back and playing against him and then Doyle gets involved Uh, just every touch man every touch this movie is pretty much seamless (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's it's perfect it really does like hitchcock knows exactly how to keep you on the edge of your seat the entire time it's it's wonderful i give this film a straight up nine uh probably will go up in the future beautiful yeah yeah hey, like i said at the very top of the show it's a it's a 10 for me i one of the few 50s movies along with on the waterfront that that reaches that 10 place uh yeah i it's there's not not really a whole lot more we could say about it it is a breathtaking movie that i have no qualms with i there's really nothing i could complain about uh every part of the mystery all of the way that stuff is delivered and at the end i mean the end scene is so cool when he's fucking flashing at him and then you have the red light effect so cool the fuck movies movies can't properly take the patience to do that it feels like you know throughout the history of time hitchcock had it yes he did yes he did he had it so good that every like every filmmaker since has copied at least one thing from him. He's he's the guy who you know wrote the fucking book. He's the template, and that's fantastic. Yeah, we didn't even mention his uh, earlier. We didn't mention his TV show. 
Alfred Hitchcock presents. Yeah, which is just breathtaking. Well, that was really my. I had seen a couple of his movies, but then I watched that. I think it was. I think it's on Hulu, maybe. And after that, then I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, <laughs> the, if this guy's doing this, then I, yeah, I got I got to really see his movies. And that was six, seven years ago, right? And then ever since then, I've just become a huge, huge, huge fan of his movies. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> I love it, man. Um, we're, we're yeah, we're we're in cool territory here. I think this is very much in the same realm as Anatomy of a Murder. Yeah, where it's it, we're revisiting something we already love, and now we we love it just a little bit more. Uh, next week, totally totally different. We're going to a place we've never been. Movie neither of us have seen, and I love doing that. I that's one of my favorite things about about the show is the ability to praise movies that are kind of critically acclaimed that we, that we also, we agree with that and then watch movies that we just straight up need to knock off our list. <laughs> uh, so of course being in the fifties, that's, that's where we're staying for two more episodes. Uh, episode 54, the defiant ones, 1958. Uh, I, I cannot, I cannot wait for this man. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be cool. Um, uh, this, the Defiant Ones, and then our pick for the Best Picture Showdown are the two films of this bunch I've not yet seen, so I've been looking forward to this big time. Same. Uh, Defiant Ones, you know, films about race made in the 50s are always fascinating to see what angle they take, to see if they're respectful or just fucking horrendous. Uh, yeah. And I haven't really researched this one yet, so I don't know where this is going to lean. I'm excited to see Sidney Poitier again mm-hmm. uh, and just dig into this kind of cold. This is going to be fun. Yeah, that's that's definitely the goal before we get to that uh, Best Picture Showdown because it's obviously we've been doing some legwork watching the other films from the Best Picture category <laughs> from that year. Yeah. Uh, so we've been watching those constantly on, uh, on our own time, kind of letting each other, uh, I, I believe you let me borrow a couple of them. So yeah, we're just kind of kind of going with it with those and the Defiant Ones feels like something that I just kind of throw a wrench in it, which I love. I love doing that. Uh, I love having something. And Stanley Kramer, a guy that we yeah. have brought have brought up many times before. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be cool. Stanley Kramer, Tony Curtis, Sidney Poitier, these people will be heavily talked about next week uh, and, and whatever else happens because, like I said, we have not experienced it yet. Straight up. Cannot wait. Um, on the Filmgasm podcast this Wednesday, Josh and I are covering Sleepaway Camp, 80s slasher classic. And then on Monday's sneak preview, uh, we will be doing The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. So good week all around. (laughs) Very, very good stuff coming. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to this Filmgasm production. We always have a blast. One year, here's to another one. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah, not going to stop. See you next Wednesday. Nope, Sunday. I got to stop doing that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you. We'll see you every day this week. Yeah, we'll see you.